for the first time in almost a year and a half, JC, almost a year and a half, we can say right here on the Ethos Lakers podcast, the Lakers Lakers two two games over 500, find themselves on the verge of playing themselves out of the play-in. I know that's a bit of a mouthful, but playing out of the play-in, knocking on the sixth seed door, and potentially even more than that. These Lakers are not the Lakers that we knew from earlier in the season, the best way that I can say it. Obviously, you could tell I'm excited about this team. JC, it's hard to watch this team and not be excited about the potential of it right now. I know it's late in the game, but as they say, better late than never. Yeah, and I mean, the thing to, the thing to pay attention is like how they're winning these games. Like that Minnesota game was a good example because they weren't shooting well at all. The first half, they shouldn't have even been as close as they were, but they were doing it with defense. And so if this team can play this well defensively, that's only going to benefit them in the playoffs. After today's big win, and I say that both figuratively and metaphorically against the Houston Rockets, a team they had no business losing against, this is the point in the season, JC, where you think about all those games, especially that game against the Rockets, the last second loss against Dallas, which, ooh, Dallas is a dumpster fire since Kyrie Irving got there. Now 4-11 and Dallas is with Kyrie and Luka on the floor together, playing their way out of the playoffs entirely. I, I, you just think about how the Lakers could be in an even better position. But all of that aside, at 40-38, and 38, since a 2-10 and 10 start, the Lakers are 38-28. and 28. I think that's the third or fourth best over the pace of time, which is now almost, almost 70 games we're talking in the Western Conference. JC, this is a team that's, that's been impressive for a period of time, despite the fact that they've only had this roster since after the trade deadline. My biggest gripe, I mean, just to get out of the way, that I wish Lonnie Walker had a consistent role in this team, but that's really my only complaint right now, especially when you have Rui Hachimura contributing like this. But, JC, this has got to be – we got to start right now with the play of Anthony Davis. He has been nothing short of incredible and has said after today's win, I feel like I'm back to myself before the injury. Yeah, and I think I think that Minnesota game, again, going back to it, he he turns his ankle. It looks like he's in a lot of pain. looks like he's going to miss the rest of that game. Maybe a few more weeks again, but doesn't miss any time. Doesn't even come out of the game. Plays the rest of the game, I think. Didn't come out at all for the rest of the game and dominated that game. And I think that's a turning point for him. If he can come back from an in-game injury like that and still be dominant, yeah, that's got to be great for his mindset. Chris Finch, Minnesota Timberwolves head coach, said after the game that Anthony Davis kicked their ass in every way possible. And what a sentiment that is for a franchise that has given up at least five and potentially six first-round picks to acquire Rudy Gobert to pair with Carl Anthony Towns. A front court that Anthony Davis did basically whatever he wanted to when he was matched up against either or both. In the last three games, J.C., Anthony Davis has 38 points and nine rebounds. 65% from the field, 11 of 14 from the free throw line. Game two, 38 points, 17 rebounds, 57.7% from the field, took almost 30 shots in that game, 8 of 10 from the foul line. And then to wrap it up this miraculous three-game stretch right now, Anthony Davis, 40 points, 9 rebounds in the win versus Houston, shot 75% from the field. 10 of 12 from the free throw line. He's shooting 20-plus times a game. The Lakers are playing through Anthony Davis. Austin Reeves in the starting lineup is a thing of beauty. Even though D'Angelo Russell sat the second half of this game, Dennis Schroeder 
is a more than capable replacement, although the Lakers are going to need D'Angelo Russell available if they're going to make this push that everyone seems to be thinking they are. It's crazy to me to sit here and say this, JC, but I'm going to sit here and say it because we're not the only ones who are thinking it. JC, this Lakers team is a team that shouldn't be scared of any other once they get into the playoffs. This is a team that can match up against just about any other. JC, this is a team that the potential of which I think we're still all trying to figure out exactly how far this team could go, which is a really crazy sentiment to express, considering we thought this was going to be the highlight of this year was going to be LeBron breaking the scoring record. What was going to be another year of LeBron's Lakers missing the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the teams that are in the West, I think over a seven-game series, I think Jokic is the easiest scheme against over a seven-game series. And so I don't trust Denver. I don't trust the immaturity of Memphis. Uh, kind of the same with Sacramento, although Sacramento is young. I wouldn't exactly call them immature the way Memphis is. Phoenix is probably your toughest draw if you're going to match up superstar for superstar with with KD and Booker and then Aiton. And then you've got Chris Paul as their their fourth kind of superstar. Golden State, terrible on the road. Maybe they'll flip a switch in the playoffs. Uh, Clippers haven't exactly been world beaters lately. And Pel- the New Orleans Pelicans are playing really well lately. Like that one point, they were the number one seed in the West. And Brandon Ingram has come back. And maybe if Zion comes back for the playoffs, New Orleans will be as good as they were. But even then, matchup for matchup with this roster, but yeah, I trust them against pretty much anybody in the West. It's going to be fascinating to watch these Lakers, especially as the rest of the Western Conference plays themselves into even more of middle of the pack than we've seen. This entire conference has been sandwiched together, save for a few teams at the top and the bottom for the majority of the season. And JC, we could go into a scenario where by the middle of this upcoming week, the Lakers could be playing for the fifth seed in the Western Conference. JC, if even a month ago, we sat here and said, hey, the Lakers aren't just going to make the playoffs, but they're actually not even going to have to play in the play-in tournament in order to do so. Would you have put money on that? I don't think so. But um, I know Trevor Lane over at Laker Nation has kind of done the math. And if the Lakers went out, he said this before the Rockets game, if the Lakers went out, they shouldn't finish worse than sixth. And, you know, after this Rockets game, they've got the Jazz who are pretty much out of it at this point. And I know they're one of the 12 that's considered in the running, but now they're four games behind the Lakers. And so, I, you know, the Jazz are probably out. You've got the Clippers, which is considered a road game, but it's at, at crypto, so it's basically a home game. Phoenix could be tough, but then you've got the Jazz again. And so, yeah, if there's, they could easily win out. And winning out the rest of the way, when you look at since March 19th, if they can win out the rest of the season, that's one loss since March 19th. And that one loss was the one point or was this uh, anomaly against the bulls in which the bulls shot really well. The Lakers to say that the Lakers control their own destiny would be an understatement at this point. Okay. The Lakers cannot take the jazz lightly. The Lakers have to be turned on for that game. Just like they were on the road against Chicago after Chicago beat them when they were expecting to sleepwalk through a win inside the house that Kobe built, Staples Center. I will never call it the crypto arena. Thank you very much. (laughs) To your point, JC, that game against the Clippers does present a challenge, but it is inside, again, a familiar terrain. The one game is the game against Phoenix where you look on the schedule the next week and say, okay, this is not exactly something I would say the Lakers can for sure walk away with a win here, but it is at home, which does help. The Lakers are split on the road, a.k.a. 
on the road because, again, versus the Clippers is really a home game. The Lakers really have three games left in Los Angeles following today's win, win against Houston. If the Lakers can prove themselves in, in Utah and really take advantage of an opportunity to come back to L.A. on the second, on the second half of a back-to-back, that's the biggest challenge that presents itself in that game against the Clippers to me, JC, is the fact that it's the second one of a back-to-back. Yeah, and and one of the things I like about today's win against the Rockets was it was pretty much an expected win, and they they dominated from the get go. They got the, they let the Rockets get I think to within nine, but once they got to within nine or I think maybe even six, they turned it on again and they dominated from there on out. And so, you know, this was a game in which the Lakers now they got, they they can't just win; they got to stay sharp for the playoffs. And so that's one thing I liked about today's win. When it did, when it did get to six, because it did get to six. To your point, I too liked that they were able to push it back out. But that is not something that we would have seen from this group earlier in the season. In fact, this is one of those games they probably would have blew earlier in the season. And I give a lot of credit to the quote-unquote ancillary guys in terms of changing the trajectory of that outcome. As good as Anthony Davis was, and as good as LeBron James was in his limited amount of time today, 29 minutes, still triple double. Talk about a perfect game for LeBron and these Lakers in terms of his usage. But it's the ancillary guys. It's Austin Reeves has become not he, like let's stop talking about Austin Reeves like he's some sort of novelty. I, I'm so glad I, I can't stand Evan Turner. OK, let me tell you why I'm even bringing up Evan Turner right now. Evan Turner and I got into it on Twitter because he gave some dumbass answer trying to be funny. And I called him out on it. And he and he tried to co- come at me like, who are you to be relevant? And, and then he really got butthurt about it. It was lovely. So the only reason I bring that up is because Austin Reeves went on a podcast with Evan Turner and basically said, the only reason people talk about me and Caruso in the same sentence is because we're both white and play for the Lakers. I mean, it's really, it's the truth. It's like saying that, hey, guess what? Rick Fox and Samaki Walker both played for the Lakers. Oh, then they happen to be both non-white. So that's a, so should we compare their games too? Like, it's, it's sort of ridiculous in that sense, right? So it, 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 when it comes to not just what Reeves has been able to prove himself as an NBA player, and I mean a legit NBA player, but his importance to this Lakers team, JC. I mean, the fact that he wants to be in L.A. is going to work to the Lakers' credit, but I think Austin Reeves is really setting himself up to get some serious free agent offers and for him to have a real decision to make because that guy has been paramount to what the Lakers have been able to do. Although all of the guys from the trade deadline are really the ones getting credit, and I want to talk about uh, especially Rui Hachimura, but Austin Reeves has really been of critical import to this Lakers team taking the trajectory it has. Yeah, it's it's to the point now where, I mean, at any critical moment of game, if you need a bucket, Anthony Davis is there, LeBron James is there, D'Angelo Russell is there. But now you've also got Austin Reeves to where if he if he can't get you a bucket, he can drive and get to the free throw line. He's got he's one of those guys who's got that uncanny ability to get to get people to hit him and get to the free throw line. He has become exceptional at at drawing contact and drawing fouls when it comes to making something happen down low. And he's playing with with a lot of confidence. And the one thing that I was concerned about with him as he continued to take on a greater role for these Lakers was the usage because he's never played this amount of basketball at this level in his lifetime. And if anything, it looks like Reeves is getting stronger, like he's getting better, not that he's wearing down. So that's really something that I love to see from Austin Reeves. But you're right. I mean, he's a guy who who the Lakers are not just relying on. I mean, they're really scheming with. Like, this is a weapon now that they have. And I think it's just a more natural fit with him in the starting lineup and Malik Beasley coming off the bench. But today, JC, beyond AD, which, again, will continue to just stress 
how much it is so important if these Lakers are going to reach their ultimate potential that Anthony Davis be the best or most prolific player on this team. Okay, it is just just how it has to be. But also, JC, the confidence that we saw Rui Hachimura step into today, if Rui can sustain anything close to this level of play, the Lakers have just reached another level that they can now go to because of what he presents on the court for them, not just offensively, but defensively as well. And he spoke to that after the game. He said, look, since I've got here, the Lakers coaches have basically had me focusing solely on defense, and I'm learning a lot, which tells me that that is not something that he really cultivated during his time with the Wizards. Yeah, I know when he was traded, a lot of people focused on his catch-and-shoot three-point numbers, and he hasn't he hasn't been a great three-point shooter since he became a Laker. But, yeah, offensively, he's getting a little bit more reliable, and, yeah, his, his defensive role has been expanding, which is, which is good. I mean, it's really – it gives the Lakers – Another guy that they can operate with who is different. He presents something different, whether it's Vanderbilt, whether it's Wenyon, whether it's Rui. Even LeBron spoke to this afterward as well. He said, the length that we have now is giving us opportunities to impact the game differently on the defensive end. And so as a result of that, it's really awesome that the Lakers can be so versatile because The ball was popping, 30-plus assists in this game. Defense is fueling the offense, and that that is always the recipe for sustainable success. Yeah, the way they've been doing it is, yeah, the way they've been doing it defensively, offensively, they're not doing anything too complicated. They're, They're not even shooting as many threes as they were at the beginning of the season. Everything they're doing at least on offense, is they're doing with purpose and they're doing with what they know they can do. It's why Austin Reeves is so efficient. He's not just good at drawing contact. He's an over 50% field goal shooter, and he shoots a good amount of threes too. It really is an incredible opportunity for these Lakers now to find themselves in a position where not just they control their own destiny, but really they can insert themselves in a position of power despite the fact that they won't be one of the quote-unquote favored seeds Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done in the first round of the postseason. I mean, it's really, it's it's just, I can't stress it enough. The fact that the Lakers find themselves here, I mean, there is not, I, I know there are things that we would like to see better from the Lakers, in particular free throw shooting. That continues to be a real issue for me. But all of the good things that we are seeing from these Lakers all of the, the low-hanging fruit jokes about uh, Frank Vogel not being the problem or Anthony Davis being soft or all of these things that we were hearing constantly earlier in the year as the Lakers were trying to figure it out with the wrong personnel, that has all evaporated. And the complete narrative around the Lakers has changed. And if you just look at the way that they interact on the bench with one another, that they share an, a common energy, the camaraderie, the shared vision in terms of just we're getting you know, everybody on the same page in terms of wanting to win basketball games. It feels a lot like the team 
that was in the bubble that did win the championship. I'm not sitting here saying as a result of that that the result is going to be the same. But this is the best the Lakers' chemistry has looked on the court in some period of time. And it's the best it's felt from the locker room in a long period of time, JC. And I think there's just about everybody who watches this team can make sure they can sit here and really say that. Yeah, it's, you know, they're all, it seems like they're all taking an equal part in leadership, which is, which is what you want to see. Like, you, it's great to have a super vocal guy like a Draymond or like a Patrick Beverly. But if you, if a team is playing this well and you don't fully know who the leader is, it's probably LeBron, it's probably Anthony Davis, but, you know, it could very well be Vanderbilt, it could very well be D'Lo. That's good to see. I'm, I'm just, the, the Dennis Schroeder career arc is so fascinating to me, right? Like at one point during the game, they were like, hey, Schroeder actually finished the year with the Rockets last year. I know it's easy to forget. And I was like, man, that really is easy to forget. He has just been, I mean, it's just, it's, it seems to, for whatever reason or reasons, just be the right fit with the Lakers. And I'm hoping both sides can figure out what could make sense, right? But the Lakers are going to have a lot of offseason decisions. I mean, Reeves, Rui, D'Lo, Schroeder, all of these guys are going to be hitting the open market. It's not like the Lakers are going to be operating with a ton of cap space here. I know that's it's not just about cap space, but I mean, this, the Lakers, if they're going to commit to this team, they got to make sure they're committing to a team that's going to work, not just for now, but for, you know, the immediate future as well. This is the best Anthony Davis has looked in a Lakers uniform. And as a result of that, so long as he's healthy, Lakers have to keep this window open. Obviously, LeBron James presents that same reason to keep the window open. But, I mean, really, it's all about Anthony Davis, Rui Hachimura, these these players who the Lakers can rely on now and going forward. LeBron, as great as he is, is not getting any younger, obviously, like any of us. So to continue to rely on him more heavily and heavily is not something that can exactly be built into the game plan. So it's not that the Lakers are going to go away from LeBron but they have to continue building the supporting parts because that's just the nature of the game and the reality of the business when it comes to this. And the Lakers, as they continue to make deep playoff pushes and deep runs into the season, while these guys are on the team, it's only going to elongate the amount of basketball that they play. So all of that to be said, JC, I feel like the Lakers find themselves in an incredibly good position, all things considered. If you would have said, if you would have had the Lakers sign a piece of paper at the start of the season, a contract that said, listen, with four games left, they're going to be two games above 500. If you win out, you're going to avoid the play-in tournament and you're going to make the playoffs outright. I'm not going to tell you who you're playing, but you're going to make the playoffs outright. And there's no guarantee that your roster is any different and you're sitting there with LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, and a bunch of ill-fitting pieces. I'm pretty sure Rob Palenka would have signed that agreement. Wouldn't, don't you think? Yeah, because, I mean, even before all the trades, when, like, late December or early January, when the Lakers went on their big winning streak, I even talked about it then, where I examined how the playoffs are looking at the time, and if the Lakers could squeeze in, and would I trust them against most teams in the West, and considering how they were playing in late December, early January, yeah, I would have trusted them, and to turn the roster around and make it even better, yeah, obviously I trust them. It really, it really is incredible, not just how they're performing, but then when you look and you and you start to examine the potential postseason matchups, not just first round, but potentially even beyond the first round, that you feel good about the Lakers' chances. There isn't a game the Lakers have played in the last, more or less since the trade deadline, 
where you really sit there and go, gosh, you know, I don't think they even have a chance in this game. Even the, even the time that LeBron missed recently. Yeah. I don't think there was yeah. a single game where you sat there and said, man, the Lakers just don't even have a chance before it starts, right? I, I think maybe the, that Chicago game where they couldn't miss from, from three a couple games ago. Oh, um, and well, that, that, even uh, that game had to start for us to feel that way. Yeah, but and that but that that game paints exactly the picture why you want to avoid the plane as much as possible because like any any weird thing can happen and you never know if you're just going to go up against a team despite how well you play that is going to all of a sudden shoot 65% from three and that's and that's going to be all she wrote so that's why you want to avoid the plane. I think that's that's part of my struggle for like not just NCAA tournament style things, but even NFL playoffs or, you know, when it was a one game wild card in baseball is just the random nature of which things can occur. And for that to be the outcome or the thing that dictates the outcome of so much data prior, I, I just feel like, I know some people like the, the anything can happen mentality or the, the randomness of that event occurring. But to me, especially with something like baseball, where you play 162 games, and to have the the, the the entire fate of your season with all of that data in the books to be determined by one game feels a little too random for me. And similarly in basketball, if it's a one-and-done scenario after 80-plus games, I feel like there's just too much randomness that could potentially be involved. Yeah, for sure. That's that's where my mathematician sci- science brain a little bit struggles struggles with my more emotional side, but, you know, I feel like that's the case for anyone, especially in my shoes, who's in both education and the world of athletics. And so it goes. JC, as we sit here and we talk about these Lakers and start to think about wrapping up this episode, the Warriors find themselves in precarious positioning, really in a, in a matchup against Denver without Jokic. But if the Warriors lose this game, JC, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Lakers find themselves in a very, very, very tight bunch. And Man, <laughs> I would really love to see the Lakers find themselves in the five seed. Yeah, Golden State, as of as of this recording, there's 58 seconds left in the game. Golden State's down by five. Oh, we're going to record for as long as this <laughs> game takes to finish. There's no doubt about that. Because here's the other thing, right? Now that we're starting to talk about playoff positioning, JC, who do you want? I mean, if you're picking opponents, where do you think it's most favorable for the Lakers? I mean, a good first-round opponent, I think, so if it's six that plays uh, eight, right? Or six, six, six. Plays, they play five. Hey, look, if you're if if you're if you're if you're a six seed, you're you're wait, you're you're going against the three seed. Oh, three seed. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. So you're looking at the Kings. Yeah. So that that'd be a fun series, and I think that would be a good series because I think. Memphis is really good defensively. Sacramento is really good offensively. And so I think the more important test for you is going to be how you play defensively. And so that would be how it would be against Sacramento. I think that'd be a more entertaining matchup. I think Memphis brings a lot of drama on the court, not even just off their off the court stuff, but just their on the court persona and drama. I think Sacramento would make for a more fun series. I think that would be a very interesting series, not just because of the history between the two franchises, the cowbells, the pans, the pots, all that stuff, but also because the Kings are a franchise that have stepped into their own confidence for the entire season and have really you know, broken a franchise curse. Whereas you know, if you're looking at, at playing a team like the Suns, let's say the Lakers were to wind up in a five spot playing the four seed, you're looking at a team that's you know, 
had some uneven results along the way, but has mostly been good and has, you know, arguably the 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 bet most talented duo beyond potentially Golden State at full strength as well as uh, the Lakers themselves. So I think each matchup also presents different things too. And if you're going all the way to the seventh seed and talking about potentially playing Memphis, I mean, that that's a team that I think is beatable for a lot of reasons. Yeah, and, and I like Sacramento for another reason too, so that Lakers fans could kind of get a good, really good look at Mike Brown as a coach because in comparison to Darvin Ham, because I think coaching like anything is a skill and you can get better at it. And Mike Brown, he was – you know, one of LeBron's first coaches, and when he was a rookie coach, he maybe wasn't as good as he could have been. But over the course of damn near 20 years, Mike Brown has, you know, gotten better and, and improved as a coach. And so, yeah, Darvin Ham, he had issues early in the season with his rotations. Um, he still probably plays D'Lo and Dennis Schroeder together too much. And so, yeah, Darvin Ham's a young coach, and he can improve. And so I think I think it'd be good for Lakers fans to see what a coach can evolve into by seeing a Sacramento series led by Mike Brown. Yes. Yes, they can. And as, 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 as JC, as you wrapped up that point, the Warriors and Nuggets just engaged on a crazy end of game sequence with the Warriors down two after a miracle three from clay, the Warriors get a jump ball at half court. That should have never been. They miss an open three from clay, got it back block shot. Game is over. 112, 110. Warriors lose on the road again and find themselves in a potential position to be in a play in scenario. As and, and here's what Golden State is looking forward to. So, they, so they've now got three games left in the season, um, but two of those are on the road, uh, one of which is against the Kings. And so, you know, they're terrible on the road. Uh, their their last game of the season is on the road against Portland. That should be a win. Portland has shut down Damian Lillard, and they pretty much are calling it a season. Uh, Oklahoma City is kind of still still fighting. So they're, Oklahoma City is a 10 seed right now, so they've got stuff to play for. Certainly not an easy last two of the three games. The Warriors are going to find themselves in a very interesting spot, just like the Clippers when they take on the Lakers on Wednesday. J.C., the Lakers feel like, in, the, in terms of all those teams sort of fighting for their own lives, the Lakers feel like the team that's most in control of their own destiny and with the most fuel behind them right now. And boy, this just feels like a completely, completely different team than the one that we saw for the majority of this season. And I got to say one thing before we wrap this up. Can you imagine if Kyrie were here instead? Because the Lakers, I don't think we'd be talking about playoffs. I think we'd be talking about next season. Yeah, I mean it's I mean we talked about it when that trade happened. I I I thought Kyrie would be fine. Like he's to look at his numbers, his numbers have been fine in Dallas. What what I thought they were going to struggle with is you're basically now telling Luka Luka's had the ball in his hands as the leader of a team since he was 16 years old. Now you're telling him to play off the ball half the time so that Kyrie can play with the ball. And Kyrie can play with the ball or off ball. He's done that throughout his career. He's done that with LeBron James. He's He knows how to share time with the ball. Luka doesn't. And that's kind of why I didn't think that would work. And it has it's failed pretty spectacularly. It has failed spectacularly is the right phrase. Unlike the Lakers trade deadline additions, which have been, worked magically, Rob Palenka has saved himself a lot of grief and 
possibly even his job with this trade deadline, I'm going to go out and say. And now the Lakers are in the driver's seat once again to figure out it is exactly where they want to go. JC, do you have a bold prediction down the stretch for these Lakers? I know we'll take it game by game. But if you had to sit here with four games left, exactly one week left in the regular season, are you looking at a 4-0 record or are you looking at a single bump in the road? Uh, I mean, I think maybe one bump in the road. But just because, I mean, Phoenix, Phoenix is going to play tough because I think they want to play them tough. Not necessarily because they have to. Second to last game of the season. But, yeah, that could be the only bump. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take the 4-0 in part because it's easy to do and say, yeah, if you're wrong, right, who, who cares? But if you're right, really, who cares, too? But I'm going to go on the limb and say 4-0 for only one reason. I think the Lakers in that game against Phoenix, especially since they're going to be coming in 2-0, are going to want to send a really specific message just in case they do wind up in that 4-5 matchup ahead of the postseason. I think that will be some added incentive for these Lakers, especially for Anthony Davis, because I don't think Phoenix has a guy on that roster that can contain him. I know that's a big shot at max player DeAndre Ayton, but I kind of meant it that way. <laughs> All right, JC, until next time, anything you want to leave the people with? Uh, nope. Three and one for JC, four and zero oh for Ethan down the stretch. The Lakers got to put themselves in the driver's seat and put the pedal to the metal in order to bring it home. Playoffs, here we come. We'll be back with you soon. But until then, 